Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden here in New York City. Big shout-out to everybody listening in Philly on 1210 WPHT, the city of brotherly love. And it is 9-11, a solemn day for any of us like me that are New Yorkers that saw this thing happen in real time. And, of course, uh, my condolences continue to go out to the families that lost family members, the first responders, and everyone that was impacted negatively, obviously, on that day. And in the uh, next segment or following the next segment, we are going to play a clip from my interview with uh, New York City Mayor at the time, Rudy Giuliani, or the outgoing mayor at the time. And Mayor Giuliani uh, sat down and spoke with me for a little bit uh, last year because it was the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and Joe Biden flew to New York City and it was a big spectacle and they they politicized the entire event. And it's so interesting to see how what happened then is still happening now. So we're going to hear that at the top of the hour. But first, I want to talk about AOC All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. Now, this one is interesting because, well, because AOC predicts that she won't be president because Americans hate women. Now, I put on Twitter a little while ago and I said, no, it's not that Americans hate all women. It's that they hate her policies, her all out crazy policies, policies that favor socialism, policies that want to take money out of your pocket and put into somebody else's. Now, listen, she makes a valuable uh, effort at trying to put forward these policies in the most positive light, trying to sell communism to everybody, selling collectivism. And I get it. In reality, there are people that disagree. There are people that don't like the idea that if I live in a town, and I do, I live in a town, you guys live in a town or a city or a borough or a village, and most of you who own property, you pay a school tax, whether or not you have kids in the school system or not. It's because that's part of the government's infrastructure in that place. So you pay your local school tax, you pay your local county tax, which covers sheriff's office and stuff like that, and all the other things that are provided by the government. So the socialists will turn to you and say, well, you like paved roads? Do you like having police? Do you like 911? Well, then that's socialism, pal. Get used to it. And, you know, and some folks uh, on the other side, my my colleagues, will, will sit here and tell you, no, 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 you know, we don't need any of it. You know, give me dirt roads and I'll use my shotgun. Okay. But most people live in the middle and they're like, look, I don't like socialism, but they, they, they like these ideas, whether it's free college, free this and free that, because they think these should be services that are provided by the government. Many people say, if you're going to provide my kid with free public school from K through 12, why not provide it 
for grades 13, 14, or all through your bachelor's degree. In a lot of places, they do that. So the question becomes, obviously, we don't want that to happen because, A, it takes the competitiveness out of uh, academia at the higher education level, and B, when was the last time the government got involved in something and it got better? I don't think it did, right? So, I mean, th- this is uh, the, the debate. There's so many people that became Bernie Sanders socialists because they said you can have free health care because their employer health care was too much. It was too much for them to buy health care here, there, or anywhere else. And they said, if the government's going to pay for it or give me a break on it, great. Now, many people, you know, they lost their doctor, their plans went up in price, and they realized this was not a good move. And that was, of course, the way it was designed in the ACA, Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. But that doesn't change the fact that people love the idea. You know, I have a friend, he tells me, oh, you know, I went to Mexico. I was in Cancun on a vacation. And guess what happened? I, uh, I, I, got, yeah, I slipped, I fell, whatever it was. He like jammed his finger, broke his thumb, something like that. He tells me, I go to this place. It's a storefront. And I was like, oh, this is going to cost me an arm and a leg to see the doctor. They said, no, no, there's a practitioner in there. They'll patch you right up. It's built into the taxes. So he said he went there. They took care of him right away. There was no waiting. They gave him a a cast and everything. And he said, who do I pay? Is there a bill? Do you need my address? They said, no, this is free. If you're here, we fix. And and, uh, I thought, um, fantastic. That's great. I'm glad that that happened to you. The, the bottom line here, and it wasn't Cancun, excuse me, he was in London, forgive me, I misspoke. But the, the point of the matter here is that people like this idea that things are built into the system, you know, it's a free perk. And while that may seem attractive at the moment, it's not ideal. But AOC All Out Crazy, she uses this stuff uh, to to gain attention, to gain a crowd of people, to get supporters, and then she'll turn around and uh, say that, you know, the reason that she can't do this or she can't do that, well, it's because the, 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 the system is rigged against her, right? She's saying, uh, in, in essence, what, what Trump was saying. <laughs> the system's rigged. But she says it's rigged against women, right? And this is, in effect, what the communist always says. The communist always cries that it's this versus that, right? It's the worker versus the, uh, the employer, the owner. That This is why they hate the capitalist pigs. Their words, not mine. So AOC uh, was reportedly um, in an interview, and she says it's unlikely that she could ever be elected president of the United States because so many people in America, quote, hate women and would never let that happen. Now, she, uh, she's been discussing possibilities of launching a White House bid in a wide-ranging interview that she did on the cover of where? GQ magazine. Now, why she was on the cover of GQ magazine, a men's magazine? Well, probably because a lot of people find her attractive. But not only that, she was there to talk about masculinity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, believe it or not, that's what she was there for to do. But also, uh, good old AOC All Out Crazy said that while she was trying to hold on to the belief that anything is possible, her experience in Congress has given her a front row seat to how deeply and unconsciously we as a society and people in this country hate women. And here's another quote. And they hate women of color, added the 32-year-old. This is in the New York Post, who was described in the article as a political voice of a generation and a bona fide culture celebrity. Oh, that's true. The culture celebrity part. She went on to say, people ask me about the future, and realistically, I can't even tell you if I'm going to be alive in September. Ay, por favor. She's so dramatic. Please. This, this is, I mean, look, I can't tell you if I'm going to be alive uh, next month either, but I would, I would, I would probably 
believe that I'm going to be. I don't expect to die next month. So I, I think it's just ridiculous the, the way she is so overdramatic. But look, lots of people are overdramatic, and that's just how it is. She went on to say, and it weighs very heavily on me. And it's not just the right wing. Misogyny transcends political ideology, left, right, and center. She continued saying, I admit sometimes believing that I live in a country that I would never let that happen. AOC said she struggles when young girls tell her they want her to be president one day. It's very difficult for me to talk about. This is her, a quote, because it provokes a lot of inner conflict that I never want to tell a little girl that she can't do, she said. And I don't want to tell young people that it's not possible. I've never been in the business of doing that. But at the same time, hmm. Now, she goes on, could former President Barack Obama have gotten elected without the kind of financial support that he had? She said, I don't know. Well, obviously, that's how that works. That's how it's part of the process. Now, it's nice to sit here and say, oh, we would love to have the next, the first homeless president. Great. You know what? The first homeless president is going to have to go and knock on doors and earn his way into the White House. He's going to have to, you have to earn people's mobility, them getting to the polls. You have to earn their vote. You have to earn their attention. The time at their front door when you knock on their door and you're like, hello, Mira, I'm running for president. Hey, what's up? I'm Rich Valdez. I'm the new candidate in town or whatever your name is, right? You have to earn that right. That's part of the process. Now, listen, I'm not saying that if you don't have money, you shouldn't be able to run for office. That's not what I'm saying. And I guess maybe, you know, I, I see things the way I do because AOC likes to say that this is so dire and so wrong because she's a woman. And that's what she picks. But others want to pick race, right? And you guys know that, you know, my, my family heritage, my parents are both born on the island of Puerto Rico, the American island of Puerto Rico. So we were all born American citizens. And it, it's fascinating to me. My dad had a sixth grade education. I come from very humble beginnings. My dad was an incredible guy. And he came here in 1955 at the age of 18 to work in New York City and make it for himself. He's, his, most of his family went to the Bronx. He went to Brooklyn, you know, and the rest is somewhat history. And my dad, Juan Valdez, who grew up on a farm in Caguas, Puerto Rico, he comes to New York, and I am the product of his legacy, right? Now, listen, some of you might say, oh, man, that's not too much to write home about. Others might say, fantastic job, sir. Now, the reason I bring it up is because I have never, ever felt like being Hispanic, my parents um, coming from Puerto Rico, was some sort of detriment. I've never seen it that way. I've always seen it as a positive, if anything. We had access to culture and food and, and, and stories and, and, a, and a way of life. This, this culture really is the biggest part that, that is beautiful. It's just a beautiful thing. And, and I constantly hear things. And I guess this is some of my, um, my inner anger towards the training that I know some people have to take and their companies ask them to take like anti-racism training and things like that. And it kind of undermines the idea of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's colorblind society. And I, I can tell you that my dad, again, not a very educated man, but a very street smart and wise guy. And he decided, you know, he said, my name is Juan. And he would go places and they say, what's your name? Juan Valdez. And they were like, what's that? Juan? 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 People just weren't used to it back in the 50s. So, you know what he said? I'm going to give my kids an easier way to go than the way I had. So he had kids. And his kids were not Juan Jr. or Alberto or Ricardo or Luis or Jose. But they were John and Albert 
and Richard and Robert and Lewis and Joe. Those are the names. And, and that's how that worked and didn't necessarily play out that way uh, for any other reason than many people at the time felt that this is what you do, right? This is the way you do things so that you, you fit in. You know, when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. I would never purport to move to Paris, France and start to change things, uh, you know, change the culture, change the way. But that seems to be the way that they're doing it. And AOC uses the same tactic of this divide and con- conquer, this, this wedge of pitting us versus them to try and do things. And she takes this negative approach. And by negative, I mean she likes to focus on, well, I, I don't know if I'll ever be president. Why? Well, why not? Because Americans hate women. Oh, is that right? First Puerto Rican girl to get uh, elected to Congress. Fascinating. Youngest woman in Congress, right? Uh, first young Puerto Rican, whatever, whatever the first, first, this, that, then whatever. Uh, doesn't really matter to me. But my point was, I think she was the youngest person ever elected or the youngest woman or whatever it was. But my point is she's in Congress, right? She was a, a waitress and a bartender. And again, not putting those things down. I'm just saying she made it I think it's like hitting the lotto when you you get that beautiful health care package. You get all these uh, privileges of being whatever. But yet she paints it as a negative. She's like, oh, I don't even know if I'll be alive next month. I think every other member of Congress is like, man, I love being a member of Congress. I can't wait to get reelected. Look at Nancy Pelosi. She's like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. She's 80 something years old. And she's like, I'm not going anywhere. You're going to have to kick me and my broom to the curb when we're dead. Pry it out of my cold, dead hands, right? Nancy La Bruja Pelosi. Why? Because there is so much benefit in serving an elected office. But yet AOC, oh, no, because no, because no. So I'm not trying to make her out to be a crybaby or, or you know, a victim, although she's definitely espousing those things. But what really is happening here, in my opinion, is that AOC is trying to get sympathy. And she's trying to play to the crowd to say, oh, they'll never elect a woman. Oh, no, they'll never do it. Yes, we will. Yes, we will, AOC. And she's trying to create this groundswell because she knows she has a big audience and she knows that she's a big draw for the media. And sadly, I think a lot of people are gullible enough to fall for it. But, you know, some people are still out there and they're calling it out for what it is, which is BS. Bravo, Sierra, in my opinion. And. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert was one of the people that called that out. She was on Newsmax with Eric Bowling, and she had this to say. Listen to this. She has no major life experience other than than what we outlined. And somehow she is is being aggrieved. She's being uh, bigoted against because she's a woman and and America hates women or some nonsense like that. Well, Eric, when you look up victimhood mentality in the dictionary, should show a picture of AOC's face. She has over 13 million followers on Twitter. She's raised tens of millions of dollars. And just now she was being interviewed for the cover of GQ magazine. Uh, She has the audacity to claim that America is sexist. No, uh, uh, Americans don't hate AOC the person, and they certainly don't want to date AOC. They want her to stop pushing their policies that ruin their lives. She is no... There you go. And she's 100% right. Nobody hates her for for being all of these things that she is. I'm glad she's doing what she does. I believe in a healthy debate. I'm not like her. I don't want everybody to agree with me. I think different ideas are good. 
because you can get to a better place in life when you have somebody arguing against you than if everybody's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you know what you get when you get, yeah, 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 you get the KKK. You get these crazy things. You get Joe Biden's White House. You get absolute insanity when you have no one saying, I think that is a bad idea. You want to have that spirited debate. That's what this is all about. But she wants to cry and complain and see if she can get coronated somehow. And, you know, that's on her. But my point is, this is what America has been reduced to. And America definitely deserves better and deserves more. So we're going to continue on this theme. We're going to talk about a few other things. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to remind you that the Queen of England has died May she rest in peace. I'm really not interested in that story, not to disrespect her or the the duly departed or anybody else. It's just not my thing, the royals. Uh, but we'll talk about a few different things. And then we've got America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, giving us the scoop on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Of course, this year is the 21st anniversary. Uh, this is from an interview that we did a year ago, and I just felt it was still so apropos because you get to have that mental juxtaposition and realize how things really haven't improved since last year. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for subscribing and leaving comments and all of that. The reviews are fantastic. I think we have a 5.0 or a 4.9 out of 5.0. Uh, rating on Apple Podcast, and that we're typically in the top 100 or 200 of that out of 400,000 podcasts or so. So honestly, I can't do that on my own. That's obviously you all sharing this and having other people listen. And of course, the great audience of 1210 WPHT in Philly. Thank you so much. I uh, love you guys. 
And I wanted to um, not only thank you, but also remember the uh, the fallen on this solemn 9-11, September 11th. And straight ahead right after this, we're going to hear from America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani interview that we did last um, September 11th that I wanted to play with play for you because I think it's important that um, we recognize some of those things. Now, on some uh, local stuff, we've got Senator Bob Menendez, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez, um, put out a press release that I saw on InsideNJ.com. And I think this is interesting because it says, ahead of the, the UN General Assembly, Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Bob Menendez urges President Biden to lead global refugee resettlement efforts. Why would we want to lead the global refugee resettlement effort when we have, it looks like we're leading it in Texas every single day. And if it's not in Texas, it's in the Yuma sector of Arizona. We've got a porous border that isn't stopping anybody from showing up at our border. Why on earth would we want to lead the global crisis of no sé qué? I don't know. Why would we want to do that? I'll tell you why. Because this is some globalist crazy stuff. And I don't typically turn that, uh, throw that term around. But this is bad. It's very, very bad when the Senate Foreign Relations Committee wants to, he wants to impress somebody, right? He's trying to score points with somebody on this at the expense of you. At the expense of every American. Well, what do you mean? I'll explain. Who do you think foots the bill for any of this? And I'm not saying that every immigrant that's coming here is going on welfare. I don't, I don't even believe that to be true. But what I am saying is that this is going to cost the money, the country a lot of money overall. There's a lot of things at stake here, whether it's depressing the cost of wages, whether it's you know, my 16-year-old daughter maybe not getting the job she wants because they can give it to somebody else that's willing to work for less. You know, so there's a long-term implication to something like that. But here we have another open-border Democrat, Bob Menendez, trying to fix the world while Americans like us are paying for it at the pump, we're paying for it at the bodega, at the supermarket, and we're paying for it on our paychecks because taxes are high enough. Hello? New Jersey, you the American people. We all deserve better than what Bob Menendez is doing by giving away our hard-earned cash. So I think we definitely have to say no when it's time to to elect or re-elect Senator Menendez. This is a bad move. We have to say no to open border Biden and to borderless Bob Menendez too. And yes to our families. And we got to do that on election day. And I don't know who's running in New Jersey, but somebody from the New Jersey state legislature who's got a solid track record of winning should run, you know, maybe a state senator or even maybe a state assemblyman. You know, I can think of one I know has great conservative bona fides. Um, senator Robert Auth. He's terrific. He's solid. He's pragmatic enough to get reelected and to navigate around Trenton. He was a legislative aide before that. He knows his way around. I, I know him from my days in the Christie administration. He was at the um, Motor Vehicle Commission. But he, he would be a solid candidate, in my opinion, because I think he's um, he, he knows how to navigate this. Plus, he's married to a Cuban woman, so he gets he gets the flavor of, of the uh, of the diversity in this part of town, New Jersey, Philly, you know, the East Coast. But anyway, this is not something that Americans afford this borderless situation, open borders. No, 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 senor. Can't do it. It's just not something we can afford to do anyway. Straight ahead. We're going to check in with America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani.
I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative Talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Today, we honor the fallen from 9-11 and everybody that went through that experience of September 11th, 2001. And last year was the 20th anniversary, with this year being the 21st anniversary. I couldn't help but echo an interview I did with America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, last year. And some of the insight that he had to me was so prescient because what he said a year ago still makes so much sense today. Rudy Giuliani, welcome to This Is America. Hey, hey, Rick, how are you? It's a great pleasure to be with you. I know I've heard you talk about getting stuck and running through buildings. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the morning that it happened, I was having breakfast uptown, and I found out about it. I was told that it was a twin-engine plane that hit the North Tower, and I rushed down there. And when I got down there, the second plane just had hit. So we realized that it was a we realized it was a terror a terror attack, and uh, we we had a entire plan for how we would react to terror and basically we cut off the bridges and tunnels we emptied large buildings we sent police officers to priority targets um we immediately arranged for 24-hour work at the ground zero and deploy our entire police department because we were very worried we would be hit elsewhere and we were told by the white house that there were seven to twelve planes that were still unaccounted for so we also could have been hit again from the air. So you had to divide your time and, and divide your attention and, and, and decision-making between the site itself, making sure you rescued as many people as possible. But at the same time, there was a very clear indication that there might be other attacks. We had to prepare for that as well. So I believe, because we had trained so well for all this, we were able to handle that in a way that gave the people you know, some degree of confidence that we were, that, that they were in good hands. Now, would you agree that it's more than training, because obviously this is something nobody expected, but more than training, it was heart and patriotism and a real commitment to saving your fellow man that actually allowed us to get as many people out and, and get through this as a whole. Absolutely. When you consider the firefighters who ran into the burning building uh, after, you know, after it had become almost catastrophic, they knew they they knew there was a really good chance they were running to their death, and they continued anyway because it's their job to save people. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary bravery. That's extraordinary love, and I think that uplifted everyone else who just acted better and more effectively. It also restored the spirit of America that we're a strong country. We're not a weak country. Mm-hmm. We don't bow to these people when they attack us. We we, we, we do the best we can to save as many people as possible, and then we get ready to hit them back so hard that they won't do it again. I mean, that's exactly what President Bush did, and it's exactly what President Clinton never did, which is why we had that thing in the first place. And it's exactly the model that Biden just used. Unfortunately, the Clinton model rather than the Bush model. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of odd that they were all there today and put up front. It's sort of like a political event this time. I've been there, you know, 19 years, never has been politicized. But this time, everybody in the everybody in front actually wasn't there that day on September 
uh, on, on September 11th, uh, 2001. I didn't see any of them there, but they were all Democrats. Republicans were put sort of in the bag, even though the effort was run by three Republicans, myself, Pataki, and President Bush. But they sort of wanted to remake history, I guess. Yeah, it's a damn shame. I mean, I mean, basically, the feeling there was there's a bunch of phony politicians up front who had very little to do with this. And when and when the president came in, first time ever, he, no, he didn't get any applause. Did he get booed? He didn't get booed, but he got no applause. Well, they could have done a little. I guess, and out of respect for those that have fallen, you know, well, you don't I want to make a spectacle. I was actually afraid that they were going to act up even more because. I've been getting calls for a week and a half. I can't even describe them to you. I know. People just, uh, when they get frustrated, they say crazy things and they want to do crazy mm-hmm. things because people don't like what the direction the country's headed in. And, you know, one time I was at a an event and Commissioner, former Commissioner Carrick was uh, describing what it was like when he rolled up on the scene and had to call you. And you rolled up with your detail and asked him, you know, wh- why is all this debris falling from the building? And he had to clarify, no, Mr. Mayor, that's not debris. Those are people. Could you describe yeah, that? That's quite us? amazing to see that, I'll tell you. You, you never forget it. First, first man was the most shocking, and then the others, just the sheer number of them. And you feel, you feel the, 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 the terrible position that person must have been in, right? Do I burn to death or do I strike myself dead by falling? Mm. He also mentioned about shortly after that, as everything started crumbling down in the dust, you know, it's an iconic scene that people who were alive saw on live TV until the TV's cut out. And those who, who weren't around have probably seen it on video. But the, the dust creates like a moment of darkness. And uh, he described you guys going into buildings. And um, just tell us a little bit about what that story was like, because kind of taking shots in the dark. Well, we, we, we had to set up a new command post. We went into one building. It was all glass. And we walked right out. We considered the first precinct. We got to the firehouse in the village, and we decided that would be a good, a good midpoint. So we broke it open. I called the governor. The governor thought we were dead. We were missing. Uh, he was relieved that we were alive, and we agreed that we'd set up our command post at the police academy. So that's where our command post was for the first five or six days, maybe seven. Turned out to be too small, and then we moved over to the piers on the west side where we had an endless amount of space and a big conference room. And it was a little bit out of the, you know, the busy area of the city. So we could be left alone a bit. Years ago, I met Will Jimeno, who told us about, you know, being trapped under those steel beams and finally getting rescued and what it was like to to lose, you know, some of the guys in his squad. And and it's it's a moving story. And, and you being, you know, I think at the, uh, at the top of this, you know, the hierarchical top of this because you, you were mayor, what what was going through your mind? Obviously, I think anybody who grew up in Brooklyn, I'm a kid from Brooklyn, and I, I, I remember Rudy Giuliani, who's the guy who took on Gotti, took on the uh, the mob, and ran against Dinkins, lost, came back with a vengeance, won, cleaned up the city, brought Disney in. So I, there was this persona of Rudy Giuliani, and there still is, you know, stuck up for Trump, got in the face of the deep state, super. But what was going through your head? What were your moments of vulnerability and weakness like when, you know, you're you're facing all of this craziness Tell us about it. The real vulnerability is you're going to give into your emotions. Yeah. Because they're very, very strong at the time. You're going to give into your emotions of sadness or anger, or, and you can't make really 
kind of decisions that have to be made in a once in a lifetime emergency. If you're too overwrought, you're too emotional, you have to remain calm so you can see all options. So you have to keep yourself that way, no matter how bad the injury is to a colleague or to yourself. In a time like now, I think so many people feel similar, similar emotions because of the political climate in the country. What's your advice to all the patriots that are out there, the guys calling you for the last week and a half and that call me all year round, you're telling me, I want to do this, we should do this, it's coming. It's And everybody's so excited because their emotions are so raw. What's your advice? My advice to them is the only thing we can really do is political. And if you're unhappy with the way in which there was a response by the Biden administration, go out there and start working against them. Not too early. We don't want to take any chances with this next election. I think it'll determine the future of this country for a long, long time. We're either going to be in the hands of socialist appeasers and terrorism is going to run all over us. We'll be in the hands of a government in the tradition of America that protects us, protects us by hitting back so hard they never think of doing it again, at least for 10 years. And, uh, and, being, able, and being able to uh, run our domestic affairs so we don't become an overspending socialist government where the few people working are supporting the many people who aren't. And, you know, I look at situations like that and I think the only way and this is, again, my my opinion. And, and you know, I look to you for your your wisdom and, and uh, your years of experience in this. But I look at that and I think the problem is we did well when we had Rudy Giuliani in office. We did well when we've had people that that stuck to their guns and did the right thing. And it seems like those guys are few and far between today. So if somebody were to ask me, how do we fix this, Rich? I say to them, we have to replace the bad guys with good guys. And and I, I think that's the only way to do it, right? By winning elections, by getting people to become yeah, more that's active. That's the only way to do it. Involved. And you've got to be really careful and you can't get conned. The Democratic Party is fabulous at conning you. Look at what they've done in, in Chicago. They've had 50 years of Democrat mayors. And every week, every weekend, it's a question, are they going to have 60 shootings, 70, 80, 90, 100? Mm-hmm. I mean, the people of Chicago virtually getting slaughtered. The political party's been in power for 50 years, and they still vote for the same political party. That has to only happen if you're brainwashed. Right. 100%. Now, moving forward to, like, current domestic stuff, three nights ago, uh, President Trump joined uh, the great one, Mark Levin, on the radio. And I answered the phone and spoke with him a couple of minutes before the interview, and I asked him, I said, hey, Mr. President, are you thinking of, uh, you know, are you going to do it or not, 2024? And he said... Rich, I think you're going to be very happy. <laughs> and that was all he said. <laughs> but uh, You know, I think he hasn't made a decision, yet he shouldn't. <clears throat> There's quite some time to make that decision. I think his inclination now would be to do it. Right. Uh, but, but we have to see what it's like a, a, basically a year and a half from now. Yeah, and we got to get through the midterms. Because I think the midterms will really decide. Uh, and I guess maybe, you know, not that you have a crystal ball. If we look at the midterms and we think if Republicans get a majority, do you believe that the Republicans will use their authority and, and, and that majority to impeach Biden? I don't know if they'll impeach him. Republicans are so afraid of their own shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they'll, they'll, they'll stop his agenda. Right. He may get himself forced to be impeached. I mean, he's a reckless guy. Uh, There's an article today in the paper that he seems to lie every day. Yet they don't. No, he, goes it, his, right? his, his, he goes through his time in office. He may have lied every day since he's president. And then he forgets about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's the benefit of it. You can uh, you can give over four or five billion dollars in arms to terrorists and forget about it. You can get thirteen people killed, brave 
young soldiers and sailors killed in in Afghanistan and forget about it. I mean, you can bomb, you can you can bomb uh, in retaliation. Think you ha- think you hit a terrorist. Put up a big bull story about how you stopped the guy from bombing the airport. Turns out the guy you hit was a father with children, pro-American, works for America. He's bringing food home to his family. Right. I mean, they're pathetic. This is what happens when you elect a fraud. Joe Biden is a fraud. He's been a fraud all his life, particularly was proven to be a fraud by the material material I uncovered over the last two to three years. But the mainstream press won't tell it to you because they're trying to protect him. And look, they can't do the job for him. They can't protect him any longer. I mean, he's got to decide. And he decides weird, strange, silly things. Now, do you think he's making these weird decisions? because he's evil and nefarious and trying to do bad things that he knows are horrible or because he's stupid or because of both? Both and plus he's, uh, uh, he's ill and he's the president of the United States. He's got to make decisions about war and peace right? and he's, he's having trouble. He can't even make his own decisions about what, what reporters he calls them. He's got to have somebody instruct him. And then, and then he's so messed up, he actually tells people that. He has no social control, no, no control over what he's going to say. I've been instructed, been instructed to pick on O'Donnell, or I've been told. I, and the reporters are such pansies and sycophants, they don't ask the question like, well, who, who instructed you? That would be the first question I asked. If I saw a president tell me he's getting instructed by somebody, I'd want to know who that was, because that guy just became the president. Right, and he makes these references all the time, saying, oh, they told me I have to stop here. Oh, they told me I have to call on you. Oh, they told me uh, I can't take questions today. It's bizarre. Well, that's, that's, that's the president that makes the bizarre decisions that he made over the last four or five weeks that have cost the lives of very brave Americans, but it cost a lot more lives until we get him out of there. Not the end of it. I mean, he's not getting any better. <laughs> yeah, it's only going to get worse. I mean, he really is quite an awful president. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, we're on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Looking back, Al-Qaeda was a fledgling group that took a, took a big shot and, and went for the gold, went for the gusto with their airplane attack and pulled it off. And we crushed them for two decades. And the minute that, you know, we take the foot off the gas, they're back. And he's the one taking his foot off the gas. Yeah, three Democrat presidents standing up front. I don't know. And people who are tempted to give their lives to help people behind them. No interaction with any of those people. It's as if they were non-existent. No interaction with the families. They come in, they stand there like potentates, like a whole Democrat column right up front. Nancy Pelosi, AOC. You know, you know, you remember when the um, Soviets used to line up the Politburo? Oh boy! On a they they put them like on a balcony, and where you stood was was how important you were. That's what it looked like. Yeah, the, it looked like the, the Politburo was, was up there. Not for the fall. Mer, Merlin Garland was in the front. I don't remember him taking anybody out of the towers. Right. Meanwhile, the guys behind him who almost died that day, like Chief Esposito, right. like uh, Bernie Carrick, like Tommy Von Essen. I mean, they were actually, oh, George Pataki. They were actually the people who were there. They were there. They know the families. They've been taking care of them for 20 years. So these guys come in, they, they all get up front. One big Democratic row up front. And they, they desecrated this into a political event. But that's Biden. Everything becomes political. Yeah, Even saving lives is political. And if it's not convenient, he doesn't save him. He lets him die. Fortunately, there's three and a half years to go. I don't know if he'll last. I don't either. And honestly, that's just something that, you know, uh, before we wrap, I think 
it's uh, my my belief is that I, I do think that McCarthy is going to take a bolder approach and go for impeachment because I think if you've got the power to impeach and you don't do it, um, you shouldn't have the power. So I, I do believe they're no, going to go if, for if, it. If, if, there were, it. if there were a Republican Congress now and they didn't vote to impeach, we should vote them out of office. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I mean, there, there is no question that a man, at least there should be an investigation. There's no question he's displaying symptoms suggest he's unfit for off. Now, we may be wrong. They may be, but they have to be tested honestly, professionally, objectively. But I, because I think if you put out a report saying he was fine, it'd be hard for the American people to believe it. Yeah, and final thought. I mean, they can see it. This is something you can see with your own eyes. And in response to that, a lot of people always ask me, and I'm sure they ask you too, uh, they're always saying, but what can we do? I'm just a regular person. What can I do to stop this? What's your advice to that person? You got to join. Uh, you got to join the party. Yeah, you, you have to join the party. You can take them out. Then you got to help them. You got to help at the grassroots, because I think we're. Gonna, I think we've been helped now, even though we don't have uh, uh, the House or the Senate. We have the government, and they're giving him a real run for his money. He's getting very angry at them now. Oh yeah. And he was. He was. Uh, he was complaining about DeSantis about COVID. Kind of ridiculous because he's got his governors has killed about twice as many people. As the Republican governor, yeah, but no, and nobody's DeSantis looking at that. And DeSantis has half half the death rate of New York. He's got a much better economy than New York. And he didn't he didn't kill all the old people Cuomo did. But the governors who screwed up the pandemic are all in his party. So that's the call: get active, get yeah. involved. Excellent. Well, Mayor Giuliani, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this 9-11. Okay. You've been all over the place doing lots of things. Uh, you're a hero. You're a patriot. Oh, we are. We're busy. We're, keep, we're keeping busy. We're keeping busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's never a dull moment for you. My best to all right. Dr. Take Ryan care. and to Andrew. Thank you for joining us. Uh, God bless. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And uh, we're going to hit a break real quick right here. Come back. Wrap it up. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we're about to wrap this thing up. Big thanks to Mayor Rudy Giuliani for his words of wisdom. And uh, I want to talk about a couple of things here because as we, of course, um, have solemn reflection on 9-11, there's also other news that we've got to talk about and reflect upon. And during the week, um, Steve Bannon was uh, arrested or turned himself into the New York authorities. Now they're trying to go after him, saying he's the architect of the MAGA defrauding scheme. It's just, uh, we'll get to it in the next episode. I just wanted to put it out there because it was a developing story on, on Friday afternoon, and I just uh, wanted to mention it because it seems like there is no end to how they're coming after President Trump and anybody that was in his orbit when he was president. And yes, I do mean former President Trump. Every time I say President Trump and I don't say former, there's a a slew of liberals on Twitter. Not that I care, but I try to be accurate. Now, that's one thing that's going on. Another thing that's going on is a story that, again, I'm just going to tease this for the next episode because this one is really interesting, is uh, New York Post, page six, is reporting that Jennifer Lawrence says that one line from the TV show 30 Rock changed her mind about being a Republican. Apparently, she grew up in a conservative Republican home and gave it all up when she heard Tina Fey utter one line. So we'll get to the bottom of that. 
But I, I want to, and you know, like what exactly it was that they said, and you know, to give the story its due. But I, I find it fascinating that people will go so aggressive, like after Bannon and after Trump and all of this, you know, to eliminate their ideological opposition, yet so flippantly make decisions to a- adopt this ideology. Oh my God, I heard one line on a TV show, and all of a sudden that's it. I want to be all out crazy. This is uh, amazing, amazingly bizarre to me. I think, look, you have a life and you live your life. And I mentioned it on the last show, the, the quote from Buckley. You know, if you're, not a con, uh, if you're not a liberal when you're young, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative when you're older, you have no brain. And I get that. I really do. I think people have to learn their lessons. Look, I'm the youngest of a bunch of, uh, of kids in my clan. And I can tell you that a lot of the ones older than me thought it was a good idea to vote for Obama. Today, they're the biggest Trumpers you could find, you know, where I might have a criticism on something Trump said or did. They're like, he can do no wrong. No, no. And it's the guilt that drives them. It's the guilt that they 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 voted for Obama not once but twice. So now they're they're like extreme ultra MAGA. What is it that Biden called a semi fascist? You know, whatever it is, ultra MAGA, ultra MAGA. We have to be ultra MAGA because you got to stick to what you believe. You got to do what's right. You got to do what you know is right. Because if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. I say that all the time as we wrap up the program, but it's true. I mean that. And I thank you for making it this far in the show and not leaving to get a sandwich and not coming back. Right? It's so important, especially uh, early on a Sunday. If you're listening early on a Sunday or if you're listening any time on demand on any of your favorite podcast platforms, I appreciate that as well. Make sure you share it with a friend, send it to them on text or however you send it to them, because I think this information is helpful. And I also love the sound of my own voice. Did I say that out loud? Anyway, I think Jennifer Lawrence uh, is a sangana. Uh, I don't even know if I could say that on the radio, but I think I can, because it's foolish to make such important decisions in such a flippant manner. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. Hasta la próxima. Until the next one, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 